From Refinery29, this is Strong Opinions, Loosely Held. I'm Elisa Kreisinger, and on today's show, how a feminist picked up a pickup artist. You may have heard the term pickup artist, or PUA. If you haven't, it's a community of men mostly who are united around a shared goal of seducing and having sex with as many women as possible. It started with the New York Times bestseller, The Game. So what I've spent the last sort of month doing is breaking down all those tools that enable me to go from total AFC to pug, from average frustrated chump to pickup guru, and to give them to you guys. Then there was the reality show called The Pickup Artist on VH1. A man named Mystery took eight lovable losers. I'm petrified of trying to go up to a woman. And turn them into Casanovas. I get it. I know what's going on. (laughs) Pickup artists have blogs with large followings. They write books. They hold conferences. They make online tutorials and share tips, all with the goal of successfully seducing women. And one of the most well-known pickup artists is Roosh V. He rose to mainstream infamy when his international men's-only meetups were canceled because of outrage over his views that rape should be legalized on private property. The group Return of Kings tonight announced they're calling off all meetings across the globe. The group Return of Kings, or ROK, is no longer hosting its international meetup day after a number of planned protests sprang up in several cities. Blogger Roosh V is known to degrade women. Number seven, they don't know how to cook. And promotes legalizing rape on private property. I reached out to the organization via its website, but was told as a woman, I had to include a photo of myself. We asked ourselves, is this for real? Roosh wrote a series of travel books for men called Bang, like the Fodor's Guide to Sex, so that no matter where a guy was, he was well-versed in the language of women in that particular country. So to say feminists and PUAs occupy a different corner of the internet is an understatement. Artist Angela Washko was fascinated by these books about... About how to have sex with the women in those countries. He said that he had himself wanted to find a city and and country cultural guidebook like Frommers and and stuff like that um, that would help him find out where to pick up women and then thought to himself that he should make that. So he did. And if you were to buy Bang Iceland, you would have like a guidebook that basically walks you through where to stay, where to go out, how to dress, what types of men the women there are more interested in. But Roosh wasn't successful everywhere. He had a hard time in Denmark. I came across this essay and was very interested in Rushvi's kind of rationalization that his failure to seduce women in Denmark was in relationship with Denmark's excellent social welfare system. In Don't Bang Denmark, Rush outlines the hard realization that when the government provides support for leveling the playing field and reducing gender inequality, women are no longer vulnerable enough to be taken advantage of. Denmark has a generous maternity and paternity leave. They offer one of the best universal health care and child care systems, and they provide government-funded higher education, which Roosh says, quote, destroys a woman's femininity. The more years she spends in them, the less likely she will be able to please you physically and emotionally. I became really interested in 
the lack of women's perspectives in those books. He writes very much like in first person, giving like firsthand accounts of his conquests, sometimes with some pretty explicit detail. And the more and more I read them, I wanted to know kind of the other side of those stories. So I went on a kind of campaign to create this parallel book, which would be just with interviews of women that I could find who've had sexual exchanges with Rushvi. And I wanted to know how it went for them because I didn't have any of those testimonials in his writing. Here's Angela's conversation with Rush. Each book is just basically trying to help men learn how to meet women and initiate sexual relationships. And just doing, I mean, basically the books that I write have satisfied, ended up satisfying thousands, if not millions of girls with the guys who use these tips, and you can read them, there isn't anything that says insult a girl, that make them feel good. And why I get attacked for this, I don't know. But uh, it's just, most of the, uh, the books are just trying to help guys who maybe are shy or maybe didn't have a masculine role model when they were young to teach them this. Angela interviewed Roosh for two hours, and she recorded the whole thing as a video. You can see how, when listening back to excerpts of that interview, Angela's questions become pretty clear. Who are these women, and are they okay with this? Do they like being courted? Do they like being used as test subjects? I won't say too much about the, the things that I've gathered from the interview, except that all of the people that I interviewed said that he was a seemed like a nice person. And... For some of them, their understanding of them of him shifted, but for the most part, all of the people that I interviewed said that initially he seemed like a nice person. Angela promised to keep the interviews with these women anonymous, but once Roosh found out about her project, she realized that wouldn't be easy. Those in Roosh's community would likely retaliate. Well, so after I kind of proposed this project to interview these women that have had exchanges with him, it became clear to me that Roosh knew about the project because he posted about it on his Twitter. Suddenly I realized that I was going to have to be in conversation with him in some way throughout this project. And also at that time, it made him not an abstract public figure for me anymore. It made him a person who is affected by what I'm doing. And it really made me rethink the, the project in a big way because I became less interested in this kind of fuck you project that I'd come up with. I started to get worried that my strategies were the same as his community and the way that I was kind of shaming him. And I thought that that just wasn't that interesting to do. And it also played into these black and white media narratives that were already happening, like feminists hate men, blah, blah, blah. They're just going to like try to shame them. They're going to use the liberal media, all that sort of stuff. And then you have on the other side, this kind of anti-feminist backlash, this two disparate bubbles, like throwing shots at each other and with very little communication between them and very little nuance going back and forth. So I became more interested in potentially being an example of a feminist, a self-identified feminist who isn't against the idea of listening to someone who they don't agree with. I thought, hey, maybe we can meet in the middle somehow and um, 
and have a more complicated conversation than we normally would when we're just sort of speaking to these like so-called echo chambers. But how is a feminist artist going to pick up a pickup artist? He was interested enough to email me back right away, but he wasn't sold on doing a video interview with me. So I had to really think about ways to convince him. And I actually used his book, Bang, and some of the tactics outlined in his book to establish value <laughs> for him within the project. So you used his own tactics against him. I did. <laughs> and it worked. When I told him it would be exhibited in a museum and a gallery context and that the piece was being collected by Rhizome at the New Museum's art base, then he was interested. I also argued at that time that being exhibited in an art context would hopefully give him cultural capital bangs, to which he definitely agreed that that, that made sense, that that was rational. So that was one way that I kind of used some of the things that I learned from his books. So how do you have a conversation with someone who wants to keep women down and marginalized so that they're more vulnerable and dependent, and at the end of the day, more willing to have sex with you? I worked really hard to be civil. Like I had to really, I was, huh, how to say that? I mean, he was occasionally pretty disrespectful toward me. He unnecessarily spent, I think, 15 minutes talking about my hair being too short and sort of instructing me on how to improve my look. And he shot down. He He kind of turned a lot of the interview into an opportunity to judge or question me, which I didn't really anticipate. Since this may go to a room full of feminist artists, writers, and cultural producers, if you could give a sort of um, direct message to them, what would it be? If you're a girl, grow your hair out. There is nothing more beautiful than a woman with long, long hair. <laughs> That's smooth and smells nice. I mean, that just gets me every time, you know. And yours is a little bit short. Um, I would just tell them <laughs> stop shaming men for being men. We were at least, I think, fairly civil, which I don't think a lot of people expected. And I think one of the most positive outcomes of the interview itself was that within his community, there was discussion about how nobody had ever seen an exchange like this but online between a self-identified feminist and a manosphere leader. And we're kind of hopeful that maybe there could be more of this in the future somehow. Deep down, did you feel like, God, this guy's a douchebag? Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I already thought that, you know, when I read the books, you know, it, I took a neutral tone. I wasn't judgy. I didn't come in being like this. You're a rapist. You're a woman hating asshole. I didn't say anything like that. I made it clear that my motivation was to learn more about his practice from him and to, you know, try to translate this to women and feminists who are also trying to understand what he's doing and are reasonably upset by it. What does sort of women's let's just say, role in like a contemporary culture that's ideal for you look like? First thing uh, would be a girl who cares more about 
finding and pleasing her husband with the intention of raising a family than focusing on her job. So a man has to come first. So as I was reading these books, thinking about the ways that these practices impact so many women all the time and thinking about the, you know, just being generally frustrated that this move toward so-called, let's just say, women's independence or, you know, women being able to kind of choose what they want to be and how they want to identify and what they want to do is like somehow such a threat to this group of men that have really united around Rouge was really, really frustrating and disappointing to me. So I really, really wanted to try to understand why why this was such a like a horrible thing but to understand she'd have to enter the manosphere within rusha's community i think the the term that's been used for his community communities like his are the manosphere it's like a network of blogs and people and forums kind of dedicated to what Rush would call neo-masculinity, which is a set of values that involve kind of a, a movement backward toward more quote-unquote traditional values where women don't work, women get their value from taking care of men, men are providers, women are nurturers, caretakers, this sort of thing, being really like stereotypically masculine. And then they find themselves in opposition. They're kind of a reactionary group to what they would say is progressivism, contemporary feminism. What interested me in Rusha's methodologies over some of the other ones is that Rusha's were so extremely anti-feminist. A lot of his writing expresses I would say a great deal of anger toward women, a lot of entitlement, a lot of frustration, and a lot more so than a lot of the other pickup artists and pickup artist texts, which are much more focused on how to improve oneself and how to understand how women react to certain situations, what situations might be creepy, how to not be creepy, how to kind of take an awkward situation, which is trying to meet a stranger and be as inviting and vulnerable as possible and create a sense of safety. So that's one sect of pickup art. But then you have Rouche's version, which is much more about conquest. It's much more about his kind of a quantitative way of talking about his conquest. There's measurements, notches are our individual sexual conquests. Flags are a kind of value given to conquests that take place in certain countries or certain labels. Like after after my interview with Rouge V, a lot of his community were saying, go get your feminist flag, Rouge. His version of pickup art, which is changing as he's getting older and kind of rethinking some of his earlier books because Bang was published in 2007 and he's kind of moving further and further away from that and toward focusing on, um, let's just say, men, men's issues and organizing safe spaces for men's, and I'm using air quotes right now, but nobody can see them. 
You may remember Elliot Roger, who went on a killing spree in 2014 near the University of California, Santa Barbara. Roger killed six people, three of them stabbed, the other three fatally shot, and injured another 13 before killing himself. He published a YouTube video before the shooting, saying that he did it because he felt rejected by women. For the last eight years of my life, ever since I've hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires, all because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. I'm 22 years old and I'm still a virgin. I've never even kissed a girl. I've been through college for two and a half years, more than that actually, and I'm still a virgin. It has been very torturous. The Manosphere responded, including Roosh. Roosh wrote a response text about Elliot Rogers, writing that if Elliot had come to him and to Roosh's particular, let's say, brand of Manosphere activism or pickup art, that he would not have done what he did and that instead he would have been really successful picking up women using Roosh's tactics. So he really used that moment to propel himself into the spotlight. You know, Roosh was just some guy writing these books with his own blog for a while. And then now all of a sudden he's really, really gained a lot of attention and his community has grown a lot larger in response to the increasing public acceptance of feminism, of um, movements like Black Lives Matter, of Obama's Gay Marriage Equality Act and all this sort of stuff all happening all at once. And Roosh is a very kind of clear counter reaction to these progressive movements. And his community is extreme, easily mobilized and becoming more and more kind of present. There's an episode of Parks and Recreation where Adam Scott's character is running for Congress. Amy Poehler plays the role of his wife, and she's asked to join a pie-baking contest. When she doesn't, she's accused of being anti-family values. But when she changes her mind, she's criticized by a feminist group. In this clip, we hear what happens when her husband enters the competition himself. Free me from what? From the tyranny of women. We are the male men. We are a men's rights activist group and we are fed up. I'm sorry, what's happening now? Behind every successful woman is a man she has oppressed. First, Leslie Nope poaches her husband's campaign by making it all about her. Now she's forcing him to bake pies and enter a contest for her? Oh, excuse me. I'm not forcing him to do anything. He loves to cook. Here, he has five personalized aprons. Oh, so I guess he was asking for it because of the way he was dressed? We are sick and tired of this feminized society. Men have had a very rough go of it for just recently, and it ends now. Male and proud. Male and proud. Male and proud. Do you feel like men are oppressed? I don't feel like men are oppressed. <laughs> 
But I do feel like at some point there has to be a way to talk about with men, like what they're going through. And Angela believes that the responsibility of having those conversations calmly and with respect rests on both men and women. In Don't Bang Denmark, Roosh says that Danish women, quote, won't defer to your masculinity. They can fuck you, but no more. What they do have are pussies and opinions that you don't really care about hearing. So if you need another reason to love Denmark, here it is. Countries like Denmark that level the playing field and reconcile gender disparities have an additional perk. They keep men like Roosh out of their country. Please subscribe to Strong Opinions Loosely Held on iTunes and rate us while you're there. You can find an interview with me about this episode, along with other episodes and stuff that we left on the cutting room floor at Refinery29.com. Our show today was produced by me, Elisa Kreisinger, for Refinery29. It was edited by Caitlin Pierce. We recorded with Paul Ruest, and we'll see you back here next Monday.